Uh, that was a very quick review. And the key to all that above was obviously one simple word that started all that whole process of, of degrading back to, to the world and, and to the, it was self, right? Self. Okay? And so the, the key scripture for this whole lesson about overcoming self is found in Proverbs 14 and 14, and it says, The backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways, and a good man shall be satisfied from himself. And I, I took the liberty of looking that up in the Amplified Bible, which basically comes a little bit closer to the Greek translation of really what that's saying. And this is what the Amplified Bible says. The backslider in heart from God, meaning that they're backsliding in their heart from God and from fearing God, shall be filled with the fruit of his own ways. You know, you're, you reap what you sow. You're going to be filled with the fruit of your own ways. And a good man shall be satisfied with the fruit of his ways, with the holy thoughts and actions which his heart prompts and in which he delights. So we delight ourselves in one thing or another from day to day, right? We all have our favorite kind of food. We all have our favorite kind of music. We all have our favorite kind of whatever, you name it. And we delight ourselves in whatever that is. So it's a matter of, you know, when we come to God, it, repentance is a change of mind, heart, and direction in our life. And so we begin to delight ourselves in different things than we used to delight ourselves in. We find that the, the, the things of this world just don't bring the delight that they used to bring to our life. Amen. I remember when we got in church, one of the hardest things for us was the adjustment of transitioning from not being in church to being in church. And so we began to realize that we had to, all those friends and all those associates and people that we used to hang out with that weren't living this life, when we made the decision this is how we were going to live, it became very apparent that we had to relinquish our friendships and our relationships, not that we wanted to, but it was like if you're not going this way, and you're continuing to go that way, I'm going to continue to go this way, and we're going to get further apart anyway. So it's not that we don't like you, but we're we're going to live this way. We're not going to live that way. And so we had to relinquish some friendships. We had to relinquish some some things that we were doing. I used to work out in the gym a lot, and I would stand in the mirrors in the gym and and look at how pretty I looked in the mirror with my muscles. And I realized when I got the Holy Ghost, when I got in church, that I couldn't do that anymore. Because who was getting the glory out of that? It wasn't God. And so I had to walk away from some things, not just people, but things in my life. And it became very lonely very quickly. Because <laughs> we didn't know anybody in the church really either yet. But over a period of about six months or so, we really started building relationships with those people in the church. And they became our family. They became our friends. They became the ones that we associated with, and their relationships with us, and we began to build us up. And then we we found that it wasn't hard to walk away from all that because we had our family, the church, to be there for us. And they were. Amen. And some of those people, it's just like if I could see them tomorrow, it would be like I had... We never lost any time because we have that close of a relationship. There's several people that we keep in contact with in the last 26 or 27 years that 
It's just like we, no time has ever passed. We were just that close. And they're actually closer to me than my real blood relatives because they are my family in the family of God. Amen? Colossians 3, verse 1 through 3 says, If you be risen with Christ, Brother Parker was talking about this with, with Sister Vicki about her baptism. If we be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Okay, when when we're when we come out of that water of baptism, we're risen with Christ, out of just like Him coming out of the grave on that third day. We're risen with Christ, and so we need to seek those things which are above, not where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. Amen. It's kind of like you become a foreigner in your own land, for ye are dead. And your life is hid with Christ in God. So we are in this room. We're just a bunch of dead people. Right? And so we we belong to him. He bought us with a price. What was that price? The price of blood. He shed his blood. He paid the price. We were in slavery to sin. You know, in the in the Bible, in the old in Old Testament, Joseph, when his brothers threw him in the pit, and he ended up being sold as a slave to those guys, those traveling guys. They took him into town, and then they put him up on this block, and they sold him again. Can you imagine being sold as a slave? You have no say. No. And so they, he was a slave, and we were slaves to sin. We just didn't know it. Well, now we have a new slave owner. Right? Jesus Christ. You know, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. We still belong to somebody. We just don't belong to that world anymore. We belong to him. Gladly. Amen? Amen. It's not grievous serving the Lord. The devil wants you to believe that. People around you want you to believe that. Oh, you don't need to do all that. Well, who are you to tell me what I need to do? I, this is my walk. My, this book tells me I've got to live like this. Because who are you going to answer to in the end? You're going to answer to the writer of this book. So <laughs> you best be following the book. Amen. Everybody's entitled to their opinion. Right? Paul, in this scripture, is writing to the church in Colossae. Many years after the initial outpouring on the day of Pentecost that we read about in Acts chapter 2, after a number of the churches had been started, Paul went around all around and started all these churches, and then he left these other men in charge. And then he came back around on a second missionary journey, kind of checking up on everything. These churches were functioning. They were they were may have been house churches, but they were functioning. A lot of the houses back in the day had a big courtyard, right? And then the house was at one end of it, but they had a big courtyard, so they could fit a lot of people in that courtyard. And so they would, that's where they were having church. They didn't have church buildings like we have. And so Paul and his elders and leaders were still dealing with flesh of those individuals. If you read the books of Romans and Colossians and Ephesians, what, what is that? Those are letters that Paul's writing to churches dealing with problems, right? Do we have problems in our church? Probably. Is there times that, that we... that you know, somebody's got to go back there and talk to the pastor. In every church, it's like that. 
So just because we have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, just because we've been baptized in Jesus' name, doesn't mean that we're not going to deal with this flesh every day. Because this old man's going to try to rise back up. We buried him, right? We buried him. He's supposed to stay dead, but he doesn't. He wants to rise back up and get on the throne and kick Jesus off the throne. And we've got to keep Jesus on the throne. And so we have to deal with this flesh every day. That's why Paul wrote all those letters. He was dealing with the flesh. Because flesh was still rising up. The Jews had been Jews for centuries. In their old Jewish ways, it was hard to break free of that. And, and to walk away from all the traditions of the Jewish religion and become a Christian, a Christ follower. Which meant they had to put all that stuff away. And old habits die hard, don't they? Right? They do. Old habits die hard. But they can still die. <laughs> and so Paul was dealing with that flesh. And I was talking to uh, Brother Denny a little earlier about Paul talking about his one friend, Demas, who was his protege, who was somebody like Timothy that he was teaching and ministering to and raising up to be a young preacher and one of the leaders. And it talks about Demas having loved this present world. 2 Timothy 4.10. That was what caused Demas to leave and walk away from his ministry, walk away from the opportunity to be a blessing to the kingdom of God. He got his eyes fixed on the things of this world and, and forgot about what he was called to do. Because when Jesus went around calling people, he just said, drop your nets and come follow me. And they had a choice. Either drop their nets or just say, not for me, not today. And what did they do? Awesome opportunity. They dropped their nets. And their, their dad was like, where are you guys going? Oh, Jesus called us. Ed, you'll have to find somebody else to catch those fish now. We're going to, to follow the master. And so we can't forget our commitment. Because when we come to an altar of repentance, we, we make that commitment. We make promises to God. When he fills us with the Holy Ghost. Can we renege and go back on our promise? Of course we can. So we got to be careful. We got to remember what we committed to. So we got to maintain, number three, a state of humility. Humble yourselves, it says in 1 Peter 5 and 6. Therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that, ye may, that he may exalt you in due time. So in the process of God dealing with your life and bringing you into the kingdom, in the midst of waiting for God to specifically give you something to do, humble yourself. Just be humble. Just be, be willing to do whatever. Be faithful to the kingdom of God. One of the steps into overcoming self is to develop a life of humility. Amen? And we, you know, you just got to say no to yourself. If you look at somebody that goes through Weight Watchers or somebody that goes through something like that, they've got to learn to deal with their flesh. And they've got to learn to say no to certain things. They might like donuts, but they have to learn to say no to donuts. If they want to reach the goal that they're trying to reach, whatever that is, weight loss or whatever it happens to be, that's just the first thing I thought of. 
They've got to make a determination. I'm going to reach this goal no matter what. And I'm going to discipline myself. Or somebody that's going through anger management classes. Or somebody that's going through whatever. They've got to determine that I'm not going back the way I came. I'm, I'm putting a bridge out sign up and saying, that's it. I'm done. I'm going this way now. So where does this life begin? This life of humility really begins right here at this altar or in that baptismal tank because we publicly humble ourselves. We don't humiliate ourselves, but we humble ourselves. We make our act of coming to God as public as our sin was before we came to God, right? Because when I was in the world, I don't know about you, but I would stay in the bars till they turned the lights on and said, get out. You know, I'm not bragging on that, but that's the way I was. I my my life was very public in that way. And I couldn't dance a lick, but I'd be out there just making a fool of myself. Amen. And so when it came to the time for me to say, you know what, enough of that. I had to determine I'm gonna live for God as hard or I'm gonna try to, as hard as I live for the world, maybe even a little harder. Right? Right. There's nothing wrong with him expecting that. And when you, you know, when you get a hold of this and this gets a hold of you, it's not hard to do that because he puts something in you that just bubbles up and bubbles over all the time. Right. The Bible talks about you got to stir up the gift that's in you. So when you get the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you can't just sit back and say, well, I've got the Holy Ghost now, and I've been baptized in Jesus' name. i got my little certificate, and all life is good. And all i got to do is wait for the bus to come, and I get on the bus, and we all go to heaven. That's not how it works. you got to pursue this thing every day. You've got to make a determination. I'm living this way, and I'm not just going to sit back and watch it happen and watch life go by. I'm committing myself to doing this every day and everything I say, everything I do, everything I think. And we're going to we're going to struggle with our flesh all through our walk with God. I still do. Thoughts still come and I know where they're coming from and so I know when to deflect them and say, "Nope. That's not from God." The more you spend time in this word, know what the word of God says, the more you the quicker you know when the enemy's trying to come into your mind and cause you to think and do things that aren't right. Because immediately you run it through the filter of the Word of God. Right? And if it don't pass through the filter right, you go, wait a minute. The Word says this. This is So this isn't of God. And it, You know, you, you kind of have to keep doing that. That's why, you know, Brother Parker emphasizes getting this Word inside of us. There's a reason why. You need that filter. The You know, when you're filtering water... Or anything else like that, the tighter the filter, the better the filtration, right? Right? Is that true? Or a fuel filter or whatever. The tighter the weave of the filter, the better the filtering. So the more words you have, the tighter the filter gets, the better, the easier it is for you to go, wait a minute. That's not of God. Then pretty soon it becomes automatic. You don't even think about it. Everything you hear automatically runs through that filter. Amen. So we should live and operate our lives in a state of humility. 
We are not told in Scripture to surrender ourselves, but to submit ourselves. The Scripture says, submit yourself, therefore, unto God. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. So the first part of that equation is, submit yourself, therefore, to God. Do that part first. And if you'll do that part first, then it says, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. It's real easy to resist the devil when you're submitted to God. Is the enemy going to stop coming at you because you've been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost? No way. Matter of fact, the attacks are going to probably become more frequent. You know, I've shared with Brother Parker a preaching message from a guy in the 80s that preached in Texas, a message called Trophies of Hell. And the message is about this man's own father who ended up losing out with God, who was a preacher and ended up backsliding and losing out with God. Ended up dying sitting at a bar. He tried and tried and tried to pull his dad out of that, and he couldn't. He just And he related it to being like a bass on the end of a hook. He just couldn't shake that hook. And we've got to be careful that we don't let that devil get a hook in us. It's like that deer hunter that's just waiting for that big buck. I'm going to get him one of these seasons. Right? Because they got a, a trail cam out and they keep seeing this 22 pointer and he just, nobody can shoot him. Nobody can get him because he's so old and so smart and he, keep, he keeps outwitting all the hunters. But sooner or later, somebody will trick him up and get him. And so the enemy wants to put us on his trophy case. He wants to stick us on his wall and say, I got another one to walk away. So this is, this is a lifestyle of commitment to, to surrendering ourselves and to submitting ourselves. Right? Amen. If you're submitted to him, that's not a problem. Whatever he says to do, you'll do. The Apostle Paul admonishes us in Philippians chapter 2. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What was that mind? You know, the Bible talks about us having the mind of Christ. He came on this earth and he walked as a man and he went through the same things we go through. He felt pain. He felt hunger. He felt, he cried. He, he wept and he, he felt degraded and he felt all the things that we go through in life. He felt all that so that he could say he understands how we feel. And he does. It says, but he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in likeness of, of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And because Jesus humbled himself, Paul said, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow, and every of the things of heaven, the things in earth, and the things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of of God the Father. Every tongue is going to confess one day. And every knee is going to bow. So the choice is ours. Do we want to voluntarily bow our knee to Him? Do we want to voluntarily say, give, give Him the glory, every tongue confess? Or are we going to wait until we're forced to do it? And the ones that are going to be forced to do it they're not going to be staying around very long. 
There's going to be a place that they're going to go where the, the worm dieth not and where the fire never, never goes out and where they're constantly reminded of they made their decision and they can't go back and change it now. It's too late. So, and I said that Sunday and I say that today and I don't, we don't say that to scare anybody, but there really is a, a literal hell. And so there's, there's, there's a hell to shun and a heaven to gain. And so we've got to make up our mind where, because what, the decisions that we make are eternal. The world will tell you that's not true. There is no such thing as eternity. We're all going to come back as cows or whatever, you know. They're going to, they're going to tell you you're going to come back as something else, right? That's right. I don't want to come back as a roach or a cow. I'm not, those things are just, the enemy is just going to try to, to lie and get you to believe something that's not true. But there's going to be a day of judgment. And I'm determined that I'm going to be hearing those words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. The sufferings of this present world are not worthy to be compared with the glory which is to be revealed in us. So it's worth it. It's worth it. There's a great cloud of witnesses, the Bible says, that's gone before us that's suffered all kinds of things. We haven't even thought of suffering yet. Right? We, we haven't suffered under blood. And so that great cloud of witnesses, you can't hear them, but they're up there. They're cheering us on. Stick with it. Hang in there. I like that song. Hang in there. Hang in there. Hang in there. Don't you dare give up. Don't give up. It's worth it. It's a really good song. <laughs> God will elevate and lift us if we will humbly if we will live humbly before him and others. Because a lot of times it's the humility in you of serving and living and living for and dying for a living God that that speaks volumes to people before you ever witness and say one word to them. It's your humble attitude. It's it's something about you that's just different and that just it draws the you don't understand why they start to cuss and then they change their mind. I worked with a guy when I worked for Permar. He had as foul mouth as anybody I've ever met. But he, when we get in that truck, he'd go to cuss, and then he'd say something else every time. And we had several discussions. He knew I was a tongue-talking, holy roller, born-again, heaven-bound believer in the liberated power of Jesus' name. Right? He knew that. He asked me one day. He didn't have a problem with it. So... I never said anything. I never, I never said, Don, don't cuss or anything. He would just stop. Why? It wasn't me. It was him in me. Me shining that light, that the power of the Holy Ghost was so strong. I'm not bragging, but I'm bragging on the Lord. The power of God was so strong in my life that he couldn't even, in the presence of God, he couldn't cuss. He couldn't take the name of the Lord in vain. That wasn't me. I would just smile every time he'd do it and go, Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Get him, Jesus. I'm not done with Don yet. He thinks just because I don't work there anymore, I've given up on him. But I'm still praying for that man. I God used me to put something in him. So God, And maybe God will send somebody else along to, to water what I planted. Who knows? It's not up to me. A man's pride shall bring him low. 
Pride comes before a fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. So, but honor shall uphold and humble in the humble in spirit. Proverbs 29, 3. In Psalms 51, 16 and 17, David said, For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Matthew 18 and 4 says, Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom. So he wants us to humble ourselves as a little child. Little children don't, they don't question. They just, they believe when an adult tells them something. They, they're humbled. And they just, they're childlike. It's like my friend that when his son was about three, he would set him up. He would set him up on the roof of the car, and then he would step back about this far and say, okay, jump. And he would just launch out and jump, and Daddy would catch him. He'd put him right back up there, concrete, you know, road down here, and he would just say, okay, jump, and he'd jump, and they'd do that all day long. He trusted his Daddy was going to catch him. Amen? Our Daddy's not going to leave us hanging. He is our Father, right? Was that our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name? That's what Jesus told him to pray, wasn't it? He is our Father. So why are we why are we to humble ourselves? What's the purpose and the reason for all this humility? It's because self has to die. We gotta get away from us. Amen? And so when we come to an altar of repentance, when we go to the baptismal tank, when we come to an altar and repent and God fills us with the Holy Ghost, He gives us that gift, what we have essentially done is we have relinquished control of our life. We've said, I'm not in control anymore. You are. I don't get to have a say anymore. You do. Whatever I decide, I'm running it through you first. That's what, that's basically, to me, that's what that is. I have taken my hands off the steering wheel, and I've said, you're driving now. I'm not even the co-pilot. God is not my co-pilot. He's my pilot. You ever seen that bumper sticker? God's sitting over here in case I do something wrong and say, hey, hey, stop that. No, that's not how it works. If he's in control... If I've relinquished control, he's in control of everything. And I'm not, there's going to be some stuff he's going to ask me to do and say that I'm not going to understand. And he's going to, he'll do that in your life and you'll say, I don't understand that. That doesn't make any sense. When Abraham was asked to leave his, his home and his family and all of his kin and everything and just take off, and God just said, go. I'll tell you where to stop. And he didn't question. When he told him to take his only son Isaac up on the mountain and kill him, the next scripture says he started packing the wood, he started packing everything but the animal to sacrifice, and they went on. Took some servants with him. When they got to the bottom of the mountain, he told the servants, stay here. And me and the son are going to worship, and we'll see you in a little bit. That's what he said. We'll be back Y'all come back now, you hear? That's what those boys said. 
And he knew he was just walking by faith. It didn't make any sense. He just went through all this stuff to get this son. And now God's telling him to give him up. But he, in his mind, he said, you know what? God knows what he's doing. And so he got up there and he was about to do it. And God stopped the knife and said, stop. There's a, there's a ram over there caught in the thicket with his horns. And what it, when, it, when his son asked him, well, Dad, where's the sacrifice? When Isaac asked him that, he said, God will provide himself a sacrifice. So who was our sacrifice on the, on the cross? Jesus Christ. God will provide himself, himself a sacrifice. That's what he did. He robed himself in flesh, and he made himself the sacrifice. He became the ram in the thicket. So what? Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body. He's not going to save just part of you. He wants everything. Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. There's a scripture in the Old Testament that says every soul is his. So whether you acknowledge God as your Savior, your Maker, your Creator, whatever, his, your soul is still His. Your body and your mind might not be His, but your soul is going to be His one day, whether you like it or not. And He's going to determine where your soul spends eternity. And your soul, where you, you your your soul is important, because your soul is going to live forever. This body's going to die; it's going to turn back into dust. Remember, he molded us out of the mud. But when you, everybody, anybody ever been to a funeral? Remember, man, that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. That's one of the things that they say. And that's what we do. If you go open a casket after about a couple of years, that's what you, all you'll find is dust. It all goes back to dust. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. Just because something's out there to do doesn't mean it's okay to do it. All things are lawful for me, but I will not. This is Apostle Paul talking. And you can just insert yourself in there and be the one saying this to yourself. I will not be brought under the power of any. It's a choice we make. When we receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost and we're baptized in Jesus' name, he doesn't just wave a little magic wand over us and we never have any more problems in our life. Oh, he doesn't. <laughs> the troubles are going to come. You're still going to get flat tires. Just like me when I was going to Eau Claire or uh, Stevens Point a couple weeks ago on a Monday. I thought I slowed down enough to go around this curve and I didn't. And I went through this bank of snow and landed in the middle of this snow bank in my truck at 5.30 in the morning, 6 o'clock in the morning. There's nobody out. Nobody. And the few people that went by, they just kind of went by and looked and went, yep, that guy's over there in the snow, and they just kept on going. <laughs> Sitting there going, okay, God, there's a reason for this. I don't know what it is, but there's a reason for this. I don't know if he stopped me from something worse. I don't know. I don't know. 
But then a guy that lived in the only house in that whole area for a mile in either direction, it was a house there, had been empty. It had been empty. It had been a foreclosure. This guy and his wife had just bought this house. So here he comes walking out with his shovel. Is there anything I can do? So I called AAA and all that. and <laughs> He says, well, come on in the house and have a cup of coffee. Oh, wonderful. So I go in there, call AAA, go in there. His wife's up fixing coffee, making pancakes. And, oh, my goodness. And he was a pastor of a little church up there in that little town. And his wife was from Ukraine or someplace, and they were just the most wonderful people. And God just let me have an opportunity to meet them. And I don't know if, if anything I said ministered to them, and I know they ministered to me. But sometimes you're going to go through stuff in your life. You're not going to understand why. But God knows exactly why. Amen. When a God lets somebody, somebody's wife go through cancer and God tells them, you, I'm not even going to, don't even pray for your wife because I'm letting her go through this. And there was a reason why. Do we understand that? Do we want that? Oh, oh, so I have to let, sit back and watch my wife go through chemo and lose her hair. And God said, yep. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His plans are way above what we can even fathom or imagine or think. So he just wants us to humble ourselves and let him be in charge. But in a great house, there is only... Not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel of honor, sanctified and meet or worthy of the master's use. How many wants to be used of the master? It's going to cost you something. You know, we want to, we want to, we go hear these great preachers. That God just, you can feel the flow of God the minute they open their mouth and start talking. And you think, man, as a preacher, I'm like, man, I want that guy's ministry. But I've learned that, no, you don't want to ask for that. Because whatever that man had to go through to get that anointing on his life, you don't want to have to go through that. Because you have no idea what they went through to get there. God will take us through some stuff to try us and prove us first before he'll release that kind of authority in our life. He won't just give it to us willy-nilly because we have the Holy Ghost. He wants to make sure. That's why we have employers that make you wait 90 days before they take you on permanently. Right? They want to make sure that you're going to work out first. They don't let you have any benefits, none of that stuff. They want It's a trial period. They want to make sure that you're going to be committed and faithful. You're going to come to work on time, that you're going to do what you're supposed to do and not stand around the coffee pot all day long. They want to make sure you're going to be who you said you were in your resume. Right? So God's going to make sure that we are really serious about this. Amen. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strifes. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God, peradventure, will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. And that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. And that they may recover themselves. 
you've got to decide if you're going to walk away from this world and serve God. If he's starting to draw you and tug on you, you've got to decide. And it says right here that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil. Anybody ever done any trapping with traps out in the woods? You tie a tree branch around it, yep. And so you catch this, the, the fox or whatever animal you're trying to catch, and they're snared. They can't get away until you come along and cut them loose. And then when you cut them loose, they're going to become dinner anyway. That's the whole point. So the enemy has caught us. He's snared us. He's trapped us. Trapped that person out there in the world who are recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. So that's kind of like being a prisoner of war. Oh, it's almost 8 o'clock. I better hurry up. (laughs) Time flies when you're having fun. Where does, uh, okay. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made us free from the law of sin and death. We, We are under one law, now we're under a new law. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemns sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. That makes sense. But they that are after the Spirit, capital S, Spirit of God, do mind the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, spiritual death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is an enmity or an enemy of God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Till we get to the things, till we get the spirit in us, we can't understand spiritual things. For it is not subject unto the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are of the flesh cannot please God. It's not, they, they can't. You can't really please God until you submit yourself to him and come under his authority. Where does this condemnation come from? Other people, the devil. Sometimes it comes from us. We condemn ourselves. That, that's one thing that keeps more people from coming to an altar of repentance is they won't forgive themselves. They keep beating themselves up. And the enemy helps that a little bit. You're not, you're not good enough. You'll never be good enough. You, you've just been too bad. You just can't. Just don't even bother going up there. He'll talk to you right there in the middle of church. Don't, 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 don't leave your pew. No, you'll be embarrassed. Everybody's looking at you. And then he'll tell you all kinds of stuff. Am I right? <laughs> it happened to me. <laughs> don't destroy yourself. Get away from you. Get away from your old ways of living and acting. You are now the temple of God. Amen? How many would go, how many likes really cold glass of milk with some chocolate chip cookies to dip in it? Right? Or whatever kind of cookies you like, okay? Peanut butter, oatmeal, whatever. Right? Now, how many would dip that same cookie in that milk if there was a little bit of dirt in there? Just a little bit. You know, a little smidgen of dirt, like out in the, from out in the yard dirt. Would you still drink it? Well, you would. <laughs> Some people would be like, Ugh, gross, pour it out, let me get a fresh glass. Right? I want a fresh glass of, I- of ice cold milk, not one with dirt in it. Right? So he's made us a vessel of honor. He's washed out all that impurity. He's washed out all that, that dirtiness out of that glass. Let's not start throwing stuff back in there. Let's keep the glass pure. So that the product in the glass 
stays pure. Right? We poured ourselves out. And we came to an altar of repentance. And we let him pour himself in. So there's no room for anything else. If he's filled us with the Holy Ghost, there's no room for anything else. But we can, we'll still try to shove stuff down in there. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. What does that mean? Obey the law. Whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors, or as unto them that are, be, that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. Likewise, the younger, submit yourselves to the elder. Yea, all that all you be subject one to another. Be clothed with humility. That's not just a little bit. If you're clothed with it, you're covered with it. For God resisteth the proud, but he giveth grace to the humble. Just about there. So it's all about submitting. Submitting. Submitting is not a bad thing. It's not a negative thing. It's a powerful thing. It really is. When we get self out of the way, God can use us to do greater things than we could even have imagined if we tried to do it ourselves. So to overcome self, Christians must always respect those who are in authority and be obedient to them. And that's the spiritual authority that God has placed over you, and that would be our pastor. Or in the case of my wife and I, the way the headship works, Christ is the head of the church, and I'm the head over her, and that's just the way the headship works in the Bible. And God honors that headship, and so we have to know where we are in that in that whole structure. Amen? He's the head, we're the body, right? The body of Christ, we, that's what we are called, right? And so who's the head of the body? Jesus Christ. So we are the body, we are his hands. There's that song that... Casting crown sings, if we are the body, why aren't his arms reaching? Why aren't his hands healing? Why aren't his words teaching? So everything else, we are to be his hands and his feet. We are to be the ones that are the the mind, the, the head tells the body what to do, right? In the natural. Makes sense? So we are to submit for the Lord's sake, Peter said, not from, from human motives, as fear and punishment, but for the Lord's sake, because the powers that are ordained of God, I mean, we have no idea what he's going to do through us if we'll submit ourselves. Submitting is a wonderful and joyful thing. The Bible says in 1 Samuel fifteen twenty three that rebellion, which is the opposite of submission pretty much, is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as idolatry and iniquity. Or lawlessness, or you're a law unto yourself. We are a law unto ourselves. We are saying, nobody can tell me what to do. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I'm in charge of me. Well, God will just say, fine. <laughs> Be in charge of you. Because until you humble yourself, I'm going to step back. He's a gentleman. He's not going to force himself upon us. So the New Testament speaks of this idea of iniquity. I just said it. It's, it's the idea of being lawless. You're a law unto yourself. 
First Peter 5, 6, and 7. I'm going to read that again. We already read it. It says, Humble or demote or lower yourself in your own estimation, therefore under the mighty hand of God, that you may exalt you, that he may exalt you in due time. When, it's, when he knows the time. He knows when it's time to exalt you. He'll promote you when he's supposed to promote you. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. What do you care about? Whatever it is in your life you care about, your family, your health, whatever, you just cast it on him. He cares for you. He'll carry those burdens. Don't you carry it. Let him have it. Just let him, just let him carry that burden. That's what he's here for. His, his yoke is easy and his burden is light compared to the burden we were carrying before we came to him. So in summary, a good man shall be satisfied from himself. Who is the good man? The man whose heart is right with God, whose tongue corresponds to his heart, and whose actions correspond to both. A good man shall be satisfied from himself. He shall have the testimony of his own conscience that in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, he has his conversation among men. Kind of in a nutshell, what that says is if you're walking with God and you're thinking like God and you're letting him influence your thoughts your actions your words it's going to come out in public it's going to come out at work and people are going to know there's something different about you and eventually somebody's going to say what is it about you that's so you glow every day you just they're going to say something and that's going to be your opportunity to say well let me tell you (laughs) they just asked you for a bible study right and who's going to come right there right now when that happens and say, don't do it, don't say anything, you're not prepared, you don't know enough. You don't want you to win another one, right? He will have the, the witness in himself that he is born from above. He will have the Spirit of God and in his conscience and the testimony of God from the Word, showing him that he belongs to the family of God. Are you satisfied from you? Good. That's a good last question. Are you, have you moved away from you? Right? My, the Bible, or well, the saying goes, we're our own worst enemy, right? And it's going to be us and us alone. We can't even blame the devil. If we've got the word of God, we can't blame the devil anymore. It's going to be me that's going to keep me out of heaven. So I got to keep me down. Every time me tries to rise back up and get on the throne, I got to tell me, no, you're dead. Go back down there. Jesus is on the throne. Okay? We're going we're gonna to fight and battle this flesh, amen? But if we'll submit ourselves and humble ourselves to God, he's going to take care of it. Amen? Let's all stand. Father, you're so good to us, and we honor and bless your name tonight. We thank you for your good word. We pray that you would move upon our hearts and minds and the things that have been spoken and said in this service. God, that you have given us some nugget of truth, something that we can take home and chew on and that will cause us to change and walk in a different way and walk in newness of life. 
and to realize that you are our father and we are your children, we are your bride, and that you're, you are, you have the very best of our interest in mind, Lord. We want to be all that we can be for you tonight. Bless those that are going from this place. Bless those that are traveling tomorrow and Friday to the services in Eau Claire. Bless those that were not able to be here tonight. Minister in their lives, in their bodies, Father. Go with us as we go from this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.